0: From the Mid South Van Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower, sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Derek. Uh, how was the, the trip this weekend?
1: Oh, man, it was a good, uh, good trip. Left for St. Louis on Friday afternoon. Drove up two soccer matches on Saturday, one on Sunday morning. Had an opportunity to swing by the arch, take a look at that, see the Anheuser-Busch uh, building, uh, you know, different things in St. Louis. But had a good trip. My wife, my son, and I uh, traveled up there for that. So we didn't – I'm sorry, we didn't lose any games on the weekend, which is good. So we went 2-0-1. Uh, it was not a very competitive team, so we played against At one point, uh, the uh, t- the other team had four girls on the field in one That's of the games. That's co-ed. It's co-ed. No, no, it's not a co-ed tournament. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is not a co-ed tournament. I'm just simply saying, at one point, uh, Wilson got scored on by a girl. So, Wilson Crane, uh, shout-out to you for getting scored on by number 24, who um, dominated you.
0: Okay, all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, then, uh, and then yesterday, I had an opportunity to go to the uh, Pumpkin Patch in Blue Mountain, Mississippi. If you've ever been over there, a uh, good time over there. Uh, Derek, I do enjoy the Pumpkin Patches. My favorite part about the Pumpkin Patches is going to them and um, – Getting to to observe the beautiful, nice pumpkins that were bought six states away and brought in for the
0: pumpkin patch. Oh, they don't grow um, right there on the, on no, the farm. No no
1: no. no, no, no. I actually had a chance. I scanned back, went went further than anybody else, several hundred yards away, looking for uh, pumpkins and stems. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. The, it was definitely a lot of Charlie Brown, great great big pumpkin or whatever it was. The pumpkins that were out in the pumpkin patch are actually not as nice as the pumpkins at Walmart. So I had a good time there, and then on our way back, yesterday, we had the opportunity to uh, see if we had practice last night for six U soccer, and found out we had a game. So we oh we, we, yeah we raced home for that and uh, had a game. Actually won the game. So there you go. Uh, yeah yeah we won. And but so good weekend. Uh, my mom was in town helping us out, so uh, she we uh, had an opportunity to watch the Saints play last night and uh, so
0: forth. Not not nearly that uh, involved. Um. Friday night, had a game. We'll talk about that uh, shortly. We uh, Then Saturday, it rained most of the day, so watched a lot of college football. Uh, a lot of entertaining games, especially the Ole Miss game, which, of course, was a loss, but could not have been happier about a loss. Uh, offense looks excellent. Defense is Swiss cheese, but, that again, we, we knew that coming into the year. Uh, Sunday, church. Uh, didn't really do too much uh, other than that. And then today, got some yard work done. Um, hung out with the family a little bit. Uh, did a little grocery shop and stuff like that so just again a long weekend uh enjoyed having monday off but back to work uh today and hitting it hard so uh but, but probably do something maybe later on this year as a like a weekend long weekend trip or something like that we had something planned for spring break but then uh, Allie actually got to go camping this weekend so she was gone uh Bo was able to are we
1: talking about tent camping tent
0: camping she did i was I support- tent fire Camping, mm-hmm. okay, interesting. Uh, so she she did that for the long weekend with a friend. Uh, a had practice uh, on Monday, of course she had a game Friday night, um, and so again not kind of a lot to do to try to squeeze in and go somewhere. So again we'll we'll find it later on this year. But again uh, after the rain, it was a kind of a cloudy weekend. Temperatures are cooler, you know, obviously cooler today and uh, looking forward to the another cold front coming through the, later on this week, and it's really feel like fall, so I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, and cooler weather, beautiful sunshine outside uh, this past weekend. Yesterday and, and maybe Sunday, a good opportunity to get out and look for a house. And if you uh, hear from the beginning of our show, our presenting sponsor for the UTW Podcast is, is now Team Couch of Birch Realty. Team Couch has been in business or been together as a team for almost 13 years. They have been the number one team in the DeSoto County area for residential real estate, for over a decade. Team Couch has the expertise in the buying and selling process for residential real estate. So please look up Team Couch of Birch Realty at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. And again, Team Couch possesses almost 55 years of combined experience in the residential real estate market. So they are your experts in the DeSoto County area. Also UTW podcasts are recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday at the Mid South studio. Mid South Vans has actually become a new business here at Hernando called mobile car and truck rental. That's going to be mobile car and truck rental m-o-b-y-l so the mobile studios will be making the switch to that in november but right now mid-south vans been in business now for five years we are your uh, one-stop shop for car van or truck rental here in the area so don't drive to south haven anymore don't drive certainly to the airport anymore if you have a need with a body shop or any kind any type of uh, car rental need please contact mobile 662 662- 469-4555. That's 662-469-4555 for mobile car and truck rental right
0: here in Hernando. Okay, uh, we kind of teased it last week uh, at the end of the show, and um, just something that we want to try to do on, on the show, uh, hopefully you know, fairly often, is to have uh, guest interviews come on. And you know, we talked about that there's a couple of races, the local races that are going on uh, on the November 3rd ballot one of those races being the DeSoto County School Board District 5 seat. We had Charles Barton on a couple weeks ago, and uh, today we have on uh, Dr. Larry Sylvester, uh, Dr. Sylvester was kind enough to come on our podcast, come in, and so sat down with an interview with him. So right now we'll we will go to the interview with Dr. Larry Sylvester. Dr.
1: Sylvester, thank you for coming in this morning. We appreciate you coming on the UTW podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to get my word out.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Sylvester, again, as we mentioned in the opening, is the is a candidate for the District Five seat of the uh, DeSoto County School Board. So, Dr. Sylvester, we're just going to visit with you a little bit, ask you some of the same questions that we had the pleasure of uh, asking uh, Mr. Barton uh, two, three weeks ago. To start off, how did you get into the field of education?
2: I went to Ole Miss, and uh, I needed extra money, and I started teaching for um, Oxford City Schools. And I got a teaching assistantship in the Department of Biology, and I taught there and just loved it, fell in love with it. And I've continued until this day. Yeah, so
1: teaching, education, just it it grabbed you.
2: It did. It grabbed me. I enjoyed uh, uh, the students, and I had empathy for them because I was a student at the time when I started teaching, and uh, I just enjoyed seeing the light bulbs go off, and it was very satisfying to me.
1: Right, and do you say you benefit from from starting at such an early age, like you said, having empathy with the kids, being not much older than them necessarily uh, when you first started?
2: I think so. I think so, because I knew exactly how they felt. Um, I knew what they said about the professors, and and I just wanted to be a help to them and, uh, and see them succeed in whatever it was that they were trying to do.
1: So a light bulb kind of went off for you as well.
2: It did. It did.
1: For what you wanted your future to look like.
2: That's right. I didn't. I had never thought that I would be a teacher. Yes, sir. It seems like every plan I've ever had in life, you know, God kind of turns me in another direction. Yeah. And um, and it's always the best direction.
1: Second question kind of goes back to the first, but if you'll just expand a bit, what prior positions have you held in education/slash schools?
2: As a graduate student, again, um, I taught in Oxford City Schools. I was a teaching assistant for the Department of Biology at the University of Mississippi, uh, where I taught labs. I taught lectures. And by the way, those lectures were taught with me standing on a, on a stage with a microphone and 320 students out in an auditorium, and it was pretty frightening. Um, from there, I moved to DeSoto County, uh, where I taught at St. Joseph School of Nursing, and I also taught or got a full-time job at Northwest Mississippi Community College. And I taught there for 25 years. I retired about a year and a half ago. I started teaching adjunct for Bellhaven University about maybe 15 years ago, and I am currently still teaching for them. Okay.
1: Okay. The doctor, I mean, if you see the signs, Dr. Larry Sylvester, what does the doctor stand for? What is a doctorate in?
2: It's a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of Memphis. Okay. Uh, my degrees are I have a Bachelor of Arts in Biology. I have a Master of Science in Biology. I have a Master of Education in Educational Leadership from Ole Miss, and then I have the doctorate from University of Memphis in Educational Leadership.
1: Wow, number of degrees, absolutely. So moving on to more present time right now, question number three would simply be, what made you want to run for the DeSoto County School Board?
2: I've been asked this before, and (laughs) I did a lot of soul searching and really thinking about it. And I think it started as a child, we would go to the beach, and my parents would make me and all my siblings pick up garbage uh, from the beach. And we said, we didn't drop this. And they said, well, you should always leave a place better than the way that you found it. And so from there, um, I still pick up garbage to this day, by the way. and uh, But I started giving back. I thought about it. It made sense to me. And uh, I started donating blood. From there, I served on the board of March of Dimes. I've served on the board of the American Heart Association. I served on the board of Lifeblood. And I'm currently on the board of Disability Rights Mississippi. It's a federally mandated nonprofit that advocates for the disabled. Um, Everything from children with IEP meetings in the schools to adults in housing and access to voting, access to housing. And I just have a heart for the disabled. Uh, It fits with me giving back. And another thing about giving back, I always gave my students extra credit for serving in the community. And, uh, And because I do it, I think it's a good thing. I think everyone should do it. And uh, that's what this is about. Serving on the school board is giving back. It pays $67 for a board meeting. I'll never pay for the signs that I purchased <laughs> already in the six-year term if I'm elected. So it's strictly a service, and I just want to give back, and I want to leave DeSoto County better than the way I found it.
1: And so while education has been your passion for a number of years, ever since you were a child, service has just been uh, inside of you.
2: It, it has. It has. It, it comes from my parents. Um, we donated the first uh, renal dialysis machine to the University of Mississippi. Um, we, uh, uh, my father founded uh, the Mississippi chapter of the uh, National Kidney Foundation. I've been around it my whole life. My family's been involved in giving back.
1: Born and raised where?
2: I was born and raised in Laurel, Mississippi. Um, and after high school, I went to work in the oil field. And uh, I learned to run a dozer, backhoe, uh, we would set up the sites before a drilling rig would come in. I got my commercial truck driving license, and we were moving drilling rigs from one place to another in South Mississippi and in Louisiana. And I decided I'd rather go to college. Right. And so that's really one of the reasons that I have so many degrees. College was so nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Compared to oil fields and moving rigs around. Yeah. Absolutely. I could, I could definitely see that, how that would be, hey, what am I doing here? Uh, that, that college sounds pretty good. Yeah, that, that's how it was in my family. My mom was, uh, it, was an educator for 30 years. My wife's dad was an educator for over 30 years in Mississippi. So just in my household now, um, definitely – teaching and and education is important to us. So I I certainly understand giving back and and seeing that being a a part of your life and and certainly an integral part of our life. Myself and and Derek, who does the podcast with me, uh, we started a men's charity group about 10 years ago. And we learned that from, or we we got the idea for that from a a book by uh, Max Licato, a Bible study at the Methodist Church, talking about outlive your life and talked about it talks about leaving a legacy for others and, and living outside yourself. So, so, I mean, I certainly understand service. And I do see the school board, like you said, $67 a meeting. You can spend more uh, than that at a restaurant during the meeting.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> by the time you eat lunch and drive over, right. you're in the hole. Uh,
1: absolutely. If elected, what would you like to see change slash done by the school board in your first term? So it's a six-year term, right? It's a six-year term. Six-year term.
2: Year term. That's a, very, that's, a, that's a big question, but it's a bit broad, but, but please. It's a huge question, and going in to the board, being new to the board, I would learn. I would learn from my peers, from my uh, fellow board members. I would ask questions of the county staff and just learn my way around before I even suggested any changes. Right. I would want to know what was going well and what wasn't going so well. I don't want to go in and shake everything up. I just want to enhance where I can. We have a great school system, and I want to keep it a great school system for my children, for your children. Also, for even if you don't have children in the school system, our schools are so important to everybody, but they're the driving engine of our county. They make DeSoto County a desirable place to live. If, if our school system begins to fail... Well, the businesses will stop coming here, our property values will drop, and we'll begin to see crime and all the things that go with a a declining community. And I want my children and my grandchildren to be able to get a job here whenever they graduate. And stay here and live in DeSoto County. It's a great place, and we need to keep it a great place.
1: The slogan on your signs, uh, at the very bottom says, Strong schools, strong future. And that's what you're speaking of right that's there. That's
2: exactly what I'm speaking of. Uh, without a strong school system, uh, um, DeSoto County is lost.
1: I mean, the kids are our future. I mean, I, that's not a Whitney Houston song. That's uh, that's the truth.
2: It is the truth. And uh, you spoke about a book that you had read that kind of inspired you with your men's ministry and i read a book called the long view and it spoke to doing things that will last beyond you and uh, after you're gone and and you want things to continue to do, to do well and that's i'm thinking generationally in terms of desoto county schools i want them to stay a top rated school system or the top rated schools and uh, so that Again, my children, your children, our grandchildren will continue to enjoy the life that we have here in DeSoto County.
1: Uh, Derek and I believe strongly, I mean, we, we. one of the reasons we started this podcast was uh, positive coverage of DeSoto County schools, positive coverage of all the cities in DeSoto County because we get so so little of that in the Memphis area. From the Memphis, they seem to drive down uh, only for negative things. And then Jackson is just far enough away from us to where they bar- they seem to barely pay attention as far as Jackson, Mississippi um, goes. What do you think – I-, I like to circle back. I like what you were saying as far as uh, – I mean, I've, been, I've served on different boards, certainly had new careers, different jobs, The first, you know, listening – the very first thing, it's a six-year term. And if you walk in right there, you know, instantly and start slamming your fists on the table and, and stuff like that, I mean, it, it just seems listening is a good idea for the for the new guy on the block. Absolutely. Sure.
2: I totally agree with that. Again, uh, I'm not trying to go in and shake everything up. Right. I just want to enhance where I can. Right. I and learning is a important part of that. How sure. How do you know what to change if you don't know what's going on? Right.
1: How many seats are on the school board?
2: There are five seats, one for each supervisory district. Okay, five seats. Okay, I got you. Uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge
1: for the school board going forward?
2: Maintaining the excellence of our schools. We all know that there are some schools in the northern part of the county that could use a little shoring up. And uh, the, nobody has any problem with Hernando and Lewisburg, but there are some others that could use a little shoring up, and and I think that's going to be a big challenge. And it's not strictly the school board uh, that will be able to meet this. It's going to require uh, the supervisors, the board of supervisors, and the mayors as well.
1: The school you're saying the school should be a, a big part of your town, and the mayors and and the city government should should recognize that and be a part of, of, of keeping things a certain way.
2: I totally agree. I believe in local control, and uh, we need to be the masters of our own destiny here. And I don't want to be told what to do from Jackson or Washington. Uh, we need local people in these positions and local people making the decisions.
1: Right. Right. Between the the administrators and the teachers, those are the people, on their boots on the ground right here in DeSoto County that that know the most.
2: I agree. I agree. I believe that the uh, county office should be lean and mean. It exists to support the teachers, and the teachers exist to support the students. And the students at the pinnacle of that being the most important consumer of education. And uh, we need to make sure that the majority of our money goes in the classroom. And by the way, when speaking about money, sure, um, I don't believe that we should need a millage increase. I think that we should live within our means. I will not be pushing for millage increases, and I just want to be as lean as we can and be as prudent with the tax dollars that we receive as possible. So
1: to circle back on question five, what do you think is the biggest challenge for the school board going forward? Your answer is, is fairly simple. Maintain what we currently have. Maintain the the, the direction, the upward trend of the Soto County schools, while keeping the strong the strong schools strong, and 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 the ones that are that are slowing a bit to get with them and, and bring them back to to the standard of of the Soto County schools. That's correct.
2: That's it. Um, if elected, I'm, I'll be elected for District Five, which again is Lewisburg and Hernando. But once on the board, I represent the entire school system, the entire county. And so any shoring up that we can do, we need to do. Again, we have no problems here in Hernando and Lewisburg, but there are some others that could use a little help.
1: Your job there, you, you feel like your job there would be to, while you're representing Hernando and Lewisburg, you, like you said, you're on the board for a reason. You're there and to ask those questions and demand uh, high-quality schools all around.
2: That's true. And if any school, any individual school within the district begins to fail it will affect us all so it does affect hernando and lewisburg what happens in the northern part of the county
1: yeah when it's all said and done every area of the county affects uh, happens to affect your district seat five and uh, your district five seat and and we would be naive to to not believe that
2: i agree totally i agree
1: totally and I appreciate you coming on to the UTW podcast and, and, and visiting with us. Uh, our, our listeners believe in education. Our, our listenership shows a lot of parents, a, a lot of people anywhere from 25 to 50 with, with kids in the school system, kids in, the, in District 5 especially. And just to wrap up here on, on the, la- the last question, is there any other message that we didn't talk about today or so far in our short conversation? Is there any other message you want to say to the voters of District 5?
2: I would just appreciate your vote. I have the skills necessary to serve on this board and to contribute to this board. Um, I'm 59 years old. I could do this for quite a while and uh, learn. And and being on the board, being an incumbent is actually advantageous because you know more about what's going on and, and more of the past. And one more thing, Matt, I currently teach. I teach for Belhaven University's Graduate School of Education where I teach Master of Arts in Teaching. I teach teachers how to teach. And also, I'm fully versed in the learning management systems that are in use today. Um, I've used Blackboard, Canvas, Moodle, and these are similar programs to Schoology that they're using in the school system right now. And I've been using those for 18 years. I've been, uh, I was on the ground floor of developing online learning in Mississippi. So I know what the teachers are going through. I know what the students are going through and the parents. And I think that's extremely important. I'm, I'm current with the skills that I have in education. I understand.
1: The word Schoology has lived in my house for the last nine weeks. So it's been uh, very interesting, but uh, certainly familiar with that. So, so. You were on the ground floor, like you said, on virtual learning in the state of Mississippi for what seems to be, what, the last two decades
2: almost? I've been, it's been 18 years. Yeah, almost two decades. I I looked it up. I couldn't believe it had been that long. And I didn't really realize how important that skill would be until COVID came around. And then suddenly all these teachers were forced to convert their classes into an online format within a month. I had 18 years. Wow. You know, we started and I tweaked every year. I went to seminars and uh, workshops every summer. And it takes a long time to get a good online course. Right. So I, I feel my heart goes out to the teachers trying to do this in one month. And, right. and I can imagine the problems. Yeah, a lot and of them the kind of pro- had a crash course. It is a crash course. Right. And then those problems extend to the students whenever they see them and they see these problems. And, and, and maybe the students don't have the bandwidth to see a video that's been posted. Um, they're, they don't have the drivers necessary. There are a lot of issues with online learning, and uh, it takes a while to, to, to hammer those out. I would appreciate your vote, and uh, please come out on November 3rd.
1: November 3rd is going to be a busy day for you, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Big day for the entire country. Well, we want to thank you again, Dr. Sylvester, for coming in, visiting with us for, for a few minutes to tell us more about yourself. Uh, we see the signs all over DeSoto County, all over District 5 especially, and, and we just want to put a face with a, a sign, and uh, we thank you for coming in and visiting with us uh, on the UTW Podcast.
2: Thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: And don't forget, get out uh, and vote on November 3rd. Uh,
1: again, a big day in our county and a big day for our country. Thank you.
0: Okay, Thank you again, Dr. Sylvester, uh, for coming on our show, for doing the interview. And we just, all the listeners out there, November 3rd, we've interviewed you too. We uh, have asked the incumbent if she would like to come on. We're welcome to have her on here. And so we look forward, hopefully, to having her on the show. But if not, uh, there are three choices for the district. Five Seat on the Dakota County School Board And again, remember just you know, Whoever you want, vote for, whoever you decide on Please go out and vote November 3rd
1: Yeah, Derek, that's the most important thing Is to go out and, and have your, your vote heard Dr. Sylvester came on board the UTW podcast His interview brought to you by The Print House Located at 2462 Church Street Right here in Hernando The Print House is your one-stop shop For printing services Business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts As well as a showroom full of all your vinyl And t-shirt needs Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of T-shirts, the ladies at The Print House can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105. Or find them online at theprinthousems.com. That's theprinthousems.com. Dot .com. Derek, we talk a lot on here about local events coming up. Last Friday we talked about the alderman meeting from Hernando, the Friday show we teased or talked about, hey, we're going to push the South Haven Alderman minutes or opportunities what they talked about for their meeting last Tuesday to today, uh, to today's show. So Derek, let's get to talking about South Haven Alderman meeting from last Tuesday and tell us some
0: of the things that they had come up. First, they had several resolutions. Uh, looks like about eight resolutions that they passed. Um, you know, some of them were business permit ordinances, sign ordinances, and stuff like that. So we're not going to go really into detail on that. Couple parts of the uh, Alderman meeting that I do want to uh, kind of look at and for us to discuss. First one is the uh, on the planning agenda. There were three items. The first one was an application by Upper Homes Place LLC for subdivision approval for the Devji Commercial subdivision on the southwest corner of State Line Road and Getwell Road. It was approved. Really, no you know, conversation between the Alderman. Approved pretty easily. The second item was an application by Melvin and Ruth Brooks. For subdivision approval of the Brooks Minor subdivision on the east side of Swinney Road, south of Church Road, again very little discussion. It was found out that there's, it's 1.2 acres that was asked to be divided into two equal lots of about 0.60 each, uh, and so again not much discussion. It was approved. The last of the planning agenda items was the miners, I mean, excuse me, the application by Rand Management LLC. For design review approval of a multi-tenant commercial building on the northeast corner of Church Road and Getwell Road. Then this is one that we briefly talked about on last Friday. A little more information on that. So what's approved, they're looking to put a C store here, probably with about three other tenants. So again, it's a, a kind of a strip center with a C store. However, they want these gas pumps to be behind the store. They, you know, so kind of they would be shielded from the road by the building itself. It's gonna be a faux, they've asked for a faux two story building with white and red brick to make it look old. So kind of an old look to the building that that's going to be closest to get well in church. Uh, the there's going to be a pedestrian path opposite uh, the side of the pumps. And then the remaining 16, approximate 16 acres will have buildings that look very similar to the one that was approved, you know, for the gas station. So again, they're kind of going with a, a design plan of an older look for this area, kind of tying in with a uh, silo square and what, what they're doing over there and kind of carried up that corridor. And so that's, you know, just some, interesting things that were approved for that item 3 uh on that on that development. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome
1: development right there like you said around 16 17 acres on
0: the northeast corner of Church and
1: Getwell. I said it on a Friday or last Tuesday. Uh, I mentioned uh, knowing the gentleman there. We texted a little bit back and forth over the weekend. Uh, He's excited about the project. I think it's going to be a heck of a nice project. And he's going to do whatever South Haven asks him to do. Uh, That's what developers do. Uh, What's the path of least resistance, I guess, to where they'll sign off on on this type thing. But I think it may be some uh, large retailers, uh, large um, businesses that uh, we all would know that he's going to be pursuing and and going after. So uh, certainly going to be a neat addition to uh, if Silo Square is doing what they're doing about a mile north, that corner right there at Church and Getwell is going to be really, really nice over the next five years. Probably that type of project, a four- or five-year project.
0: Yeah, and it's the only corner that's set vacant. You know, all the other ones, you've got a CVS, you've got the Walgreens, of course, you've got a bank and, and – I think that this corner's been vacant for a while. You knew something, you know, like this was going to eventually be there, and now it looks like it's gonna, the the process is going to start. So, you know, just filling in that area. That, of course, the neighborhood backs up behind there again. Uh, just that that's a very viable, very uh, probably expensive corner, and you know, finally having the development come there. Uh, the last thing that we want to talk about. There's several things. I got several parts of it. Is the mayor's report now? Uh, Mayor Muscle White really goes into detail on projects that are, are being done uh, in the city, and so there were several. Uh, about four projects we want to look at. The first one is that they awarded a bid for a 1.3 million dollar uh, Main Street project, and this Main Street project is basically a kind of a walking trail or a walking sidewalk uh, that will come basically from Highway 51 all the way to City Hall, so down Main Street up to City Hall. And this was helped. Uh, a lot of this was helped by M.DOT money. It's a 68-32 split with M.DOT to help with the funding on the sidewalk. 68 percent being M.DOT, 32 percent being the city of South Haven. And the city's part is four hundred and eighty seven thousand dollars. That's their thirty two percent. And again, this is gonna be a a, I guess continuous sidewalk all the way from fifty one to City Hall and it really ties in the older part of South Haven, allowing people to be able to, you know, bike, walk, and that sort of thing, safely uh, from 51 basically to the interstate uh, and then up to City Hall. So, again, it's more a lot of the greenways, the trails. We talked about the linear park at Hernando. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a a way that cities are going right now. And so this is something that kind of ties in that area with one long continuous. You know, pathway. Very interesting,
1: Derek. I mean, you and I off air. I, I, I get it. I'm not going to sit here and you know,
0: spending 1.3 million dollars on that side of South Haven's a little bit interesting or surprising. Well, I think it's just they're trying to revitalize an older part. Yeah. And you know, and again, this is M. Dot money helping. I think this is it's been in the works for a while. They Finally got it approved. Got, finally got everything tied, got all the you know, rights signed off on. And so uh, is it a grant or is it city funded? It's well, it's not a grant. It's a uh, state and city funded. State and city funded. So 68 percent M. city of South Haven.
1: I understand. I mean, again, like I was saying to you off air, I was surprised by that last week when you mentioned it to me. But, you know, you can't necessarily turn your back on that side right. of town. City Hall is not going anywhere, it seems like. It's going to uh, stay right there on the state line uh, area. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is, and hopefully it will be a nice project for South Haven and, and people will get out and use it the way they intend it for to.
0: The next one is pedestrian bridge. Uh, I think hopefully a lot of our listeners know that there will eventually be a pedestrian bridge that goes over Getwell connecting the amphitheater to the new Silas Square. And so it allows people to go, you know, obviously back and forth without having to try to cross get well, which would be impossible, uh, even with any kind of crosswalk sidewalks. They don't want to put a light right there necessarily right now. And so this would really help with the flow, getting people from ball games to shops and eateries and that sort of thing. So again, great idea by the city. The design is finalized. The mayor said he will have it at the October 20th meeting. They will, The alderman will be able to see it. I'm sure it'll be put up on the the big screen and uh, hopefully of course if you're getting a watch or be able to watch it or can come up show up that night you'll be able to see the first renderings uh, of the bridge but um, so they'll plan to bring that Uh, The cost, at once the, uh, I guess, the renderings are approved or signed off on or everybody gets a chance to look at it and make comments, then, of course, it will be put out starting the bid processing. So, again, this is something that will happen. I think they're going to hope to have it ready by the spring. but start off next year when a lot of those shops will then be opened. Hopefully, we're back seeing concerts in person uh, at the amphitheater. So, again, kudos to South Haven uh, and just the the vision to do that and, uh, you know, just for the – and Silo Square just really taking off like it is.
1: Now, is that going to be publicly funded or is that something that's going to be – that's going to be city funded.
0: City funded. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, at the end oh, of the day. Again, again, I, I'm going off of just basic conversation. It sounds like it's going to be a lot city funded. Now, I'm not saying they're not sure. getting something from somewhere because sure. of some type of grant for, I mean, there, there could be some money they could get. But right now, I'm understanding that, you know, a lot of it's city funding. Well, as soon as I, it.
1: I mean, it does benefit the Silo Square development for sure. It does benefit Bank Plus Amphitheater for sure. So right there. I guess I was, as soon as I said it out loud, I thought to myself, you know what? Saving one life that get you know, right oh, yeah. there on get well you know, trying to cross it after a, a night of concert or something like that is worth everything. Well, penny, even if so. you have,
0: I mean, you think about, um, I mean, if you, any of y'all that ever been to Vegas or, you know, some of the larger cities have the skywalks. I mean, people aren't crossing the street. Sure. I mean, you're not trying to cross a strip. Yeah, no. I mean, you're walking uh, up and around, taking an escalator up to a skywalk, walking across the street that way. That's what this is. It's a right. pedestrian bridge. And so, you know, unfortunately, I know that in Florida at that time, they had that one that fell and it right, collapsed. Sure. I mean, it's just a horrible thing. But, again, there's other cities that have been doing this for a while, and this will be, obviously, DeSoto County's first one. So, again, a good idea and a very populated place that people are going to want to move back and forth. So, it's, yeah, as you said, saving one life, it's a safe way to do it. So looking forward to that pedestrian bridge and to seeing the renderings come out next week. Third thing he mentioned was a skate park. Now, the city of South Haven at one point had a skate park uh, at Rasco Road down 51. The skate park was closed uh, and because of a lot of it had to do with vandalism. Uh, there was crime. Uh, there were a lot of calls to the area. And so they ended up, the city had to shut it down because they just couldn't control what was going on at the skate park. There's been plans or, or requests uh, by, I think, uh, maybe a church uh, and a couple other individuals to reopen a skate park in some form or fashion. The city... Uh, Approached it, you know. Obviously, this is something. The one of Hernando is is still here. It is still viable. It's still working. They kind of mentioned that during the meeting. Talked about how the Hernando one was more concrete. Theirs was more of a, like a, kind of sounded more rudimentary than Hernando's is. But they are looking at maybe doing that again. Well, people brought it up. Well, the, the mayor said, "Look, we've got a four-year plan for parks. I mean, they plan for the soccer fields. They plan to redo the baseball field. That four-year plan is is." It's kind of just in the first year phase, maybe. And so there's at least three years left on it where they've got a map. If we have money, this is what we want to do. Skate park's not in there. So not saying that they're kicking it down the road. It's just like, you know, it's not in the next three years. We've approved a, a four-year plan. We're going to have to get to the end of that four-year plan, see what everything looks like, see what the money looks like, the way that the, the, you know, they, they take the tourism tax, be able to pay for this. And so it may be added then. It may not. Uh, but right now they just kind of push it to the side because, again, it's going to be at least three years to be talked about, so we'll we'll talk about it later on.
1: Right, and no offense to the uh, the people that are very interested in the skate park. The skate park's not going to bring hundreds of hotel rooms being booked. The, right. The skate park's not, you know, like the soccer fields are going to, like the baseball fields right. are going to, especially the baseball fields, redoing those to the turf fields, so you're going to have less rain outs. You're going to have opportunities for people to stay in hotels, eat dinner, eat restaurants, that type of fence. Uh that, that type of, of, of event. I mean, that's the way it should be. I mean, that's the way it is. What's paying for things? What's generating revenue? Let's pursue those first and, and then we'll, we'll circle back and see what things look like at the end.
0: Right. And finally, Central Park. Uh, the Central Park, This they've had several phone calls, the city has, mayor has, uh, about putting, uh, making a couple changes at Central Park. They talked about Uh, The asphalting, the parking lot, which right now is kind of like crushed gravel. They talked about redoing some of the trails, making them, you know, kind of what sounded like what they wanted to do at Conger Park, but, you know, just making, redoing some of them, clearing them out, straightening them out, moving them around roots and stuff like that. Uh, And then the third thing was, and and probably one of the main requests, was for a public restroom there. So those are the three things. Well, the mayor went, kind of talked about it. You know, first thing he said, you know, this is supposed to be a natural park. I mean, that's the way it was built. It was sure. built as a natural park in the middle of a city. I mean, look, we're not in any way comparing this, but kind of the same thought process as Shelby Farms, just obviously, you know, one one thousandth of the size. But just a very, you know, nice central park that, you know, that people can go to. But it, it, you feel like, you know, you're in nature. You're not in the middle of South Haven, Mississippi. Well, the, the mayor said, well, you know, if we, if we asphalt it, that kind of goes away right? I mean if you if you do a if you pave the entire parking lot first of all there's there's a pretty decent cost to asphalt especially now then that you know that kind of goes away the second thing he's mentioned was the the trails he said look this is these are nature trails you know we' we're, you know you when you run a nature path or walk a nature path there may be roots there may be this sure. but if we pave over it, they're just going to come back. It's going to bust through the concrete again. This is, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. And we understand that there's people that are, uh, that maybe, um, you know, have physical disabilities that does not allow them to go on those trails. And so maybe they can look at maybe doing something on some areas. But the main thing is it's supposed to be a nature trail. And so they, it's kind of minimum. You know, that they'll they'll cut it back. They'll remove obstacles and stuff like that. But they want to keep it that you know, that natural uh, flow to it. But then the last one was the bathrooms. Um, he came out pretty strongly saying we do not need public restrooms at the, the park. Okay. And the reason he said that, he said, "Look, the park is open 24 hours. Uh, then you know, then we're we gonna start shutting it down. Then you know, even in the daytime, are we gonna have people patrolling that? Because he said, F- you have vandalism. If you sure. have closed bathrooms in a park that is not maintained by somebody, you know, like somebody sitting there all, all day long maintained, there's gonna be vandalism. He said. Plus there, you know, and the, the way he put, I'm paraphrasing, but pretty closely, he said, all the crimes that you hear that go on across the nation happen in DeSoto County. These things do happen, sure. And so he's saying, you know, just a, 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 as terrible as that is, that could happen. There's no way to know, you know, you know, unless you can't put cameras in bathrooms. So, again, he's adamant that there's no way, you know, from the having to clean up the vandalism, you know, having to go there and then clean it once, twice a day. How are you going to stop, you know, these things from happening if you haven't, you know, multi-walled off. Ways into and out of the bathroom, you know, with, with, with crime and that sort of thing. So he, he was adamant against it. Seemed like the alderman pretty adamant against it. So I just don't think that's going to happen uh, under his watch. Uh, and again, probably of the list of things that could be done for Central Park, definitely at the bottom.
1: Exactly. I, I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't, I live in Hernando. I don't get a chance to frequent Central Park in South Haven, uh, go up there for Christmas and everything, of course. And it's, it's, it's dark, so I don't necessarily get to see it. But look, the bathroom that was built by Hernando Young Women's Club. Several years ago at Church Park, it's, it's been vandalized, and it's downtown Hernando. Typically lit up pretty pretty bright, mm-hmm. but it's been vandalized.
0: Oh, and simple one door open, one door closed. Right. One so, door right. open,
1: one door closed. Water fountain that type of stuff. So it couldn't be any easier. And, and sure enough, it's been vandalized. So I, I agree with him 100%. I also give him props for, you know, just saying, hey, man, uh, it's a nature trail. Uh, that's why the port, the park first started out, and we're trying to keep it that way. Mayor Muscle White seems to do a very good job, bring a lot of common sense to uh, his discussions, common sense to um, uh, the, the, the things that he, he talks about in his mayor's report each and every Alderman meeting he seems to do a really good job. Local events here in Hernando, uh, we'll, we'll go briefly with those, some local events that are coming up. Just want to remind everybody, again, the local events, uh, and when, when I say local, We're talking about Hernando because we are the uh, Under the Water Tower podcast on these particular local events. The Parks and Recreation meeting that we have uh, talked about the last couple of weeks is coming up this Thursday at the Gale Center. Uh, Parks and Recreation, they're going to be talking about uh, the feasibility of the Parks and Rec Department of Hernando. Talk about everything from tournaments that come to town to quality of of facilities Mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. Just discussing the things about the Parks and Rec it's an opportunity for um, taxpayers. It's an opportunity for citizens of Hernando to come out, listen to the program. I think the program's from six to six thirty. That's right. From six thirty to seven, then they're going to open the floor for uh, comments and discussions, questions.
0: It sounds like so, they're going to have like uh, you know drawings, renderings that you can exactly. kind of walk around and ask questions yeah.
1: about. Yeah. So like what things look like over the next four or five years, plans, discussions about parks and rec in Hernando. So this is an opportunity. Don't forget, if you listen to the UTW podcast each week, we talk a lot about Hernando, talk about, a lot about parks. Um, this is an opportunity to listen to what's going on in the Parks and Rec Department, plans for the future, and an opportunity also to raise your hand and, and make a comment. Also want to mention the Crew Boo Fun Run. The Boo Fun Run, the inaugural Fun Run, is actually October 31st from 1 to 3 at the Old Track right here in Hernando, you know, next to the DeSoto County Schools uh, Administration Building is where the Old Track is. So uh, right off Commerce Street by a block or two. All kids, kids of all ages, parents can run in it, whatever you want to do. It's a one-mile fun run for kids. Hopefully they'll wear a costume. They'll come out. We're going to have carnival-style uh, games. We're going to have a couple of jumpy-jumps, um, and then every kid will get a medal. Uh, please look for that on Facebook at the Crew of Hernando Facebook page. The Crew of Hernando, K R E W E of Hernando Facebook page. There is uh, a link to the um, race roster website that's helping us uh, with our registration. So uh, it is a, a fee of thirty dollars per participant, and then actually fifty for. I'm sorry, thirty for a single participant, fifty dollars for a family participation. So you can sign up two people, four people, six people in a family participation for fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. With that family participation comes two T-shirts and medals for each child. A single participant, obviously, is a T-shirt and one medal for yourself. So uh, be looking for that, Crew of Hernando Facebook page. Derek, give me a little bit of information of something
0: else coming up with cookies for, with Santa for the city of Hernando. And so right around the corner, that means Christmas is coming. And so the Hernando Parks and Recreation have sponsorship packages available for Cookies with Santa 2020. The There's two levels. You can do the Christmas tree inside event. That's $50, and this will be a 6-7-foot uh, to seven foot tree that will be located inside. You can have your logo on the tree, you can decorate the tree, you'll be listed as a tree sponsor, you'll have, there'll be three mass emails sent out uh, that are uh, sent, excuse me, bi-weekly prior to the event, which will probably reach about 4,200 emails, Uh, and then you uh, can also, as I said, decorate your own tree in, in, you know, different type of ways or however your company wants to do it. There's also a $35 sponsorship, Uh, this is a two to three foot tree, which will uh, also have your logo on the bottom. You'll uh, also be listed in three mass emails weekly prior to the event. And this will reach, again, the same number of followers uh, about 8,500 followers and of course you can decorate your tree. So basically, $15 gets you about double the size or twice the size of the tree. So again, just uh, this is a thing that they, they do. This is separate from the open house. This is the Cookies with Santa through the Parks and Rec. It's been held at the Gale Center the last few years and um, again, if this is something that you or your business would like to do, please reach out to the uh, City of, of Hernando's Parks and Rec Department and go ahead and let them know that your sponsorship desired level.
1: What's the date on Cookies with Santa?
0: They're scanning the email. We don't
1: have that, that, that date but I'm going to assume Sometime before December twenty fourth, there because he's going to be. Pretty I would busy. say he
0: will be busy that night. So it's going to be before that day. He's yeah. got. I mean, he's also got to probably do like a what 24, 48 hour fasting because of yeah. the number of cooks he eats that night. So probably yeah yeah.
1: Does Santa have to do a two about a ten day quarantine before he goes in every Ooh. house across the world?
0: Probably not before. Afterwards, yes. Now, once he gets After, back, yes. once he gets back, I mean, he's easily past MLK Day probably having a quarantine. I yeah. mean, just a lot of germs going into every oh, house yeah. across yes. the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Wear that mask, Santa. Probably a lot of people that put the cookies and the milk out for Santa Ooh.
1: not wearing masks.
0: Not probably Not, need to have those wrapped this year. Make sure they're prepackaged cookies. <laughs> exactly. Maybe maybe one of those like bottle of milks. I'd A little have hand sanitizer right next to the yeah. thing. So yeah. Sh- sh- yeah okay. uh, uh, parents, please think about this. Your your children probably will ask. Make sure that you have that out.
1: So again, parks and rec meeting this coming Thursday evening, six to seven, six to six thirty. Uh, discussion about the next four to five years for the Parks and Rec, 6.30 to 7, an opportunity to raise your hand and ask questions. Crew Boo Fun Run, coming up October 31st, 1 to 3. Please look for the Crew of Hernando Facebook page and a lot of people around town sharing that, Um, an opportunity for you. It's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, no better day. Right there, October 31st with uh, costumes for Instagram and and all your different things right there. And then Cookies with Santa sponsorship. We'll give you more and more information from the Parks and Rec department there. Uh, This time, Derek, we're going to turn to the fact of the week. Um, We're going to turn to the Fact of the Week. I think we got so busy last Tuesday, we might have forgotten the Fact of the Week. Uh, Several people called us on
0: I do, and I want to apologize to (laughs) Rob Long for not getting out the Fact of the Week last Tuesday. It was a busy week last week, and again, another busy show today. Yes, the Fact of the Week is given to us by or provided by Rob Long at the DeSoto County Museum. Please, again, we cannot push the museum enough. If you've never been there, please make it a trip. You know, if you have – maybe you have young children, maybe if you're still uh, doing virtual learning – do a field trip. Go there, see them. He would love to welcome you. Any group, small or large, one to one hundred, uh, he would love to see you come in there and just be able to tell all the wonderful things that our county has done, its past history, and just a just a great curator and just one, you know, all the wonderful things that people have donated across the county. So again, please go in there. Please uh, see it. It's right there on, on Commerce Street, across from the Bank Course South of the Fred, the old Fred's parking lot. Now it's the Four Store. So again, just please go and see that. Um, and if you Tell Rob that we sent you. He'd be happy to have you, and I know he's really excited uh, that we're you know, trying to plug this every week. Plus, just very excited because he has given me uh, weeks and weeks, months and months worth of, of facts, and I do apologize again for not uh, having one last week. So because I didn't have one last week, I'm going to give you two short ones uh, this week. The first one, in 1892, there were four active churches in Hernando at the time, and they each conducted tr- uh, services twice each month. On the first and third Sundays, the Methodist worship was conducted by Rev. J.W. Malone and the Cumberland Presbyterian Service by Dr. E.B. Chrisman. On the second and fourth Sundays, the Baptists were led by Rev. T.B. Harrell and the Episcopalians by Rev. J m magruder so again first and third you had two religions to, uh, denominations denominations excuse me on the second and fourth you had two more denominations so you could really kind of sample it if you you know if you weren't quite tied into one hardcore you know different services that's interesting and yeah. very i mean once a week you could pick and see all four in a month so that that's pretty interesting other one is is that uh in 1892 there were not many telephones operated in hernando the operator was not on duty after 6 p.m So imagine, could not make phone calls after 6 p.m., and each individual had to build and maintain his or her own telephone line and equipment. Sears offered a telephone, batteries, and 100 feet of steel wire with insulators for only $19.97. Wow, for 20 bucks, you had to install your own phone? Had to install it with 100 feet of wire. 100 feet of wire. The DeSoto Times mentioned that a strong wind knocked out the quote-unquote service in March of 1892, Lawyer McKenzie ran a wire from his home on Caffey Street to his office on Center Street so he could call home.
1: I tell you, these, these facts of the week, Derek, are just amazing.
0: Yeah, so now I'm, I'm looking at my phone right now that Correct. I can literally access any corner of the world within five seconds. And yet, they had to run hundred feet of cable to try to make a phone call.
1: My my kids were uh, they were sick yesterday because they didn't have the best service at the pumpkin patch. So they struggled. They actually had to put their phones down and focus on the family for a little bit. So imagine if our kids nowadays had to imagine going to Bow and say, "Hey, come on out. Let's install
0: our phones." Yeah, well, I, we got this in the we got this in the mail uh, <laughs> after a, a two week delivery. Right. Got this in the mail, have to you know, dig it underground, we got to put it underground, run it from here, run it to the house right over, and now we can communicate back and forth over this tin can.
1: Thank you to Rob Long. We didn't, we didn't have the fact of the week last week, uh, Derek, so you gave us two this week, but we did get a chance to say Rob Long's name last week because, remember, he was named to the uh, Historical Conservation uh, Downtown Hernando. Uh, yeah, the so preservation society. Preservation right. society. So, congratulations to Rob there. And again, if you have an opportunity to go to the to the DeSoto County Museum, right across from Blue Ribbon Cleaners in Hernando, uh, please do. It is free. My daughter reminded me today when we mentioned the fact of the week uh, that a donation is uh, encouraged to help pay for all the different things and certainly the the people that that serve there each and every week. So. Just an amazing event. Uh, I'm sorry, not an event, but a place to go and, and learn about the Soto County and how uh, amazing our county is. For anybody who's been here for, you know, five minutes, five years, 50 years, 100 years, there's a lot of history here in DeSoto County.
0: So, again, we had a very long sports well, actually not too long sports on Friday, but all the games, uh, most of the, the games, excuse me, on football were played Thursday night. So Friday morning, we did not have a lot of time to gather information. We reported the scores, gave updates on the standings, but uh, we're not provided a lot of the information. So we're not going to have that information this week. We were not able to do our picks, not able to do our mascot battle royale. And so again, you'll have to tune in Friday to hear that. However, there were a couple things that went on. Uh, the first of all, the volleyball uh, playoffs have, will start this week. And so they released the volleyball schedule uh, for uh, the different the teams that made it in the county. And there are five teams in the county that will be playing in the volleyball playoffs that start tomorrow. These are high school playoffs. These are high school playoffs, high school volleyball playoffs. The games that start today, Tuesday, October 13th, they are Clinton at DeSoto Central, Lewisburg at Madison Central, Hernando at Germantown, and then Class 5A, Vicksburg at Center Hill, Lake Cormorant at Ridgeland. Again, these all start tonight. Uh, some of them home, some of them away, obviously based on seating. So, again, we uh, wish good luck to all the girls playing. Uh, DeSoto Central has a home game. Both Louisburg and Hernando are traveling for 6A. And then in 5A, Center Hill gets the home game, while Lake Cormorant has to go all the way down to Ridgeland. So, again, good Who luck, does girls. Who Center Hill play? Who Center Hill play? Center Hill plays Vicksburg. Vicksburg, Vicksburg at okay. Center Hill.
1: Vicksburg is the only team that a DeSoto County team plays that's not in the Jackson area. That is correct. I was going to say, they could just have one big tournament, meet in Oxford or something, <laughs> and just play there. I'm just saying, you know, let's just save on the money a little bit. Um, good luck to those girls for sure, Derek. You and I are getting uh, in on the game uh, a little bit late with the volleyball, but uh, we'll certainly be pulling forward and updating the volleyball standings uh, in the playoffs. It seems, I mean, other than Vicksburg, it kind of seems like the, the volleyball is going to go through either DeSoto County or, or, or the Jackson area mm-hmm. for sure. So we'll be keeping up with that.
0: So yeah, we'll report those scores. Hopefully, about obviously by Friday, we'll have the scores. We'll report those and kind of let you know where the next round goes. So
1: again, those start today. So start to pay attention to those Twitter or something like that. What lies Derek mentioned we last Friday's show. Uh, a lot of the DeSoto County football games got moved up to Thursday, so we were a tad bit hamstrung a little bit on our picks and so forth of the ability to do it because the games already had already been played. So we always look forward to the Friday show. So tune in the next uh, this coming Friday for obviously a, a, a huge weekend of, of high school football. We have some teams that are still uh, quarantined, or at least one team that's still quarantined. Um, so that definitely affects uh, the Under the Water Tower podcast or ex- affects – under the water tower because Hernando and DeSoto Central were supposed to play. That's right. So we'll and, again, if,
0: if you've been paying, uh, hopefully, this, especially the Hernando people, if you've been uh, on social media at all, you do know that they are continuing with the homecoming festivities this week, uh, this Friday night. Uh, we'll talk more about that on Friday morning. But they will be looking to do the, uh, I guess, the homecoming presentation. They'll be looking to do a senior night and uh, the night the band night. So doing all three Friday night without a game, uh, but it will be a, l- a large uh, gathering for that on Friday night. So again, community, rally around the, the kids uh you know they, they've worked hard a lot of them, this is their senior year uh, not probably the, the senior year that they want or the type of homecoming they want but again we can make it as good or better than it would have been anyway so again we'll, we'll we'll really you know pump this up on friday's morning show but just be thinking of those kids this week as they get ready and they and they're going to have the festivities you know that way
1: yeah they're still going to ex- expect a massive crowd this coming friday for hernando hernando's uh Tremendous band. I think they're doing all the sports, senior nights, that type of stuff. So, again, opportunity to get out and support the. Uh, I think the weather is supposed to be beautiful. Oh, it's going to be in the like, high 40s. Right. And just exactly. I think it's going to be beautiful and chilly. Just
0: a great fall night.
1: Yeah, just going to be really good. So, it's an opportunity to uh, not have the typical homecoming game, but an opportunity to have a, a, a great community spirit this coming Friday. So, don't forget about that. But on Friday, they were, there were a couple of games coming up, Derek, uh, after our podcast aired on Friday, or we recorded our podcast. And, uh, you happen to be at one of them. Tell
0: me about it. I did. We had Munford at North Point. Munford is a, I think, a 2 or 3A uh, Tennessee public school uh, that's north of Memphis, but a, a, about a, I don't know, 15, 20-minute drive from Millington. And they came down. They had a 6-2 and record, 3-0 in district coming down. And they were a tough team. They were strong. Strong passing the ball, strong running the ball. Now, again, everybody expected monsoon. We expected high winds. It rained maybe five minutes in the first quarter, and then it didn't rain after that. I mean, it was actually a pretty decent night. Now, the, the, the ground was wet. Uh, the ball was, I'm sure, wet sometimes. But not a lot of turnovers. Uh, just Munford just was able to basically control the line of scrimmage they had a bigger line on both sides of the ball just really kind of pushed North Point around North Point was able to find the end zone once on a 13-yard screen pass from Hudson Brown to J.R. Henderson other than that and not a lot of uh, again North Point couldn't do, didn't do much uh, They the defense played well the first half I think it, the halftime score was like 14 to maybe 13-7 14-7 and then just you know just got worn down I yeah. mean with the offense going three and out maybe keeping it you know, maybe two first downs or something like that just got worn down and, you know, just uh, ended the game. But, again, they're playing up. It's, it's a larger public school, I guess larger compared to North Point. And, again, it was a non-district game. So, they're they back in district this week. So, hopefully they learn something from it and move on. Sure. I mean, what it sounds like, just a, a
1: playoff-bound West Tennessee football team. Correct came to South Haven, and, and they were just pretty good. I mean, 7-2 and two record is, is, is not too shabby. I would assume, and I, I don't research it, or I didn't research it, but wouldn't surprise me if those two losses were to maybe a bigger team.
0: Uh, I know one of them was to Covington.
1: Okay, yes, yep. Covington's a, maybe a 5A school in West Tennessee. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Mumford's going to be, a, like I said, a playoff team. So, keep your heads up, Trojans, uh, opportunity to rebound,
0: get back to guys that, you play typically uh this coming Friday night. Who do they play? Well I play Lausanne. So at Lausanne. So we yeah, again we'll preview that on Friday. But that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough different game. Yeah,
1: and if you've ever been to the stadium at Lausanne, it's 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 a struggle. They're really struggling at that school. Yeah, facilities I mean. wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you have any Lausanne, if we have any Lausanne listeners, uh, you know, just shout out to the Lausanne, what is it? Oh, the Lynx. Lynx, that's right. That's I I'm, very, yeah. I'm
0: very excited. Yeah, about yeah. Oh, okay.
1: The, the, I'm the looking forward to okay. Okay. Lynx. Yeah, ma- mascot a ba- little battle right there. Uh, other la- One last game from last Friday night. Uh, Derek, we thought it was going to be a little closer than it was. Uh, Marshall Academy was coming in with a, about a 5 and 2 record uh, hosting the Magnolia Heights Chiefs, and uh, it didn't go well for them. The Chiefs uh, traveled down to Marshall County and just. Put the beat down on them.
0: They did. They had the final score was twenty-eight to nothing. Manelia Heights had the quarterback was fifteen to twenty-five with one hundred and thirty yards. The rushing attack was uh, by, led by several runners. 42 carries, 216 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, just, a you know, again, a great night. Obviously, they also control the line of scrimmage, pushing the ball. Just really just, at just rammed it down Marshall Academy's throat. And the defense had three sacks and interception. So, again, just a great overall night. Uh, and we, you know, we talked about Manoia Heights kind of having to get back on track. Sounds like they were able to find. Now, again, Marshall Academy is a smaller school. I mean, I think two, two classes down. So, but a win's a win. It gets the confidence back. So, leads them in, you know, going into, a, you know, another district game this week. They got caught a break with the weather. Kept the game
1: on Friday, so they kind of keep on schedule there. But very interesting that everything kind of worked out weather-wise. Uh, Derek, I know down the hurricane, I know the people down Lake Charles, Lake Charles area, flooding is still tremendous and, and such a tough deal Sad down deal. there. Luckily, it was not as bad. You know, It was one of the Category 3 or 4 when it came on land. So, uh, But still, tremendous uh, amount well, of Well, it would hit
0: 12 miles from where Laura hit. Yeah. So it came ashore 12 miles from yeah. where Laura hit a month ago. Right. Imagine catching a hurricane in Coldwater and Nesbitt. You know, six
1: weeks uh, separate. It's just, it's just tremendous. But anyway, uh, Friday, uh, big show coming up Friday. Talk a lot about high school football. We want to say thank you again to uh, Dr. Larry uh, Sylvester for coming on and visiting with us today, uh, Derek. Probably our largest interview coming up this Thursday. Well, I'm sorry, we will have an opportunity to sit down with the mayor on Thursday. You will hear it on Friday, the That's Friday right. podcast. Uh, we're going to discuss a lot of stuff with the mayor. Uh, Derek's going to interview him about the the, the different ward. Uh, discussions we had last Friday. Derek, we had a, a good number of people, um, both publicly uh, on the Facebook page and privately email us about the ward that we finally, that, that we had the opportunity to talk about it. It's a big deal. It, is. Uh, it does have a lot of people frustrated. So that is definitely something that I'm looking forward to hearing from the mayor. And also, I'd like to talk to the mayor about, I mean, you're doing the interview, but we can talk about questions. Coronavirus talk what does that look like? Leadership in, in today's world, what does that look like? Yeah,
0: and also, I mean, we talk, we're talking about the city budget. You know, that's sure. the, Their city years, all city years start. October first, right, and so kind of what's going to the you know what's this year look like? What are the main priorities? Right. What are some things that may have to be pushed aside because you know with a maybe potential lack of income for, because of the virus? You know what is you know how did y'all budget for that? So again, just a lot of good conversations. I uh, will uh, be talking with him again on Thursday. You'll hear it Friday morning, and re- just looking forward to that on the podcast.
1: Yeah, and again, thanks a lot for everything. Continue to uh, look us up on Facebook, UTW Podcast. At in, on Instagram at UTW podcast and on Twitter at UTW pod. But most importantly, please hit subscribe. Wherever you're listening to our show right now, there is a button that says subscribe. If you could please hit subscribe so you will know when we put out a new show on Tuesdays and Fridays. Right now we're trying to stay at Tuesdays and Fridays. So please hit subscribe to that button so your, your uh, phone will let you know you'll have an alert when we put out a new show. So uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. If you enjoy what you're hearing each and every week, like us, uh, link us to other things, share it to the public, share it to your friends and family. It's going to allow us to continue to grow here at the Under the Water Tower podcast. Hopefully some big things coming up in the near future. Derek, enjoy the show.
0: Another good one. And uh, again, looking forward to getting together on Friday.
1: Absolutely. If there's nothing else, I'm Matt.
0: And I'm Derek. Join us next time Under the Water Tower.